So, Rachel? Yeah? Captain Picard must learn to communicate with a race who speaks in a language that is not compatible with the universal translator. Mm. What do you think you're going to get? Not compatible because it's gestural rather than audio, maybe? Mm. Data will help to decode it. That should be no problem. Yeah. The people are wary about receiving outsider intervention, let's say, but Darmok convinces them to. Picard is stranded at one point and also needs their help. Well, that sounds like an episode of Star Trek to me. Let's find out. <laughs> Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, Stardate 45047.2. The Enterprise is en route to the uninhabited El Adrell system. Its location is near the territory occupied by an enigmatic race known as the Children of Tama. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek, the last episode of the year. Ah, oh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and Happy Season 5 of TNG. Season 5, wow. This episode, Darmok, Rachel and I watched it separately. Yeah, I just casually watched it on my own because Chris was away in London. I... Didn't know it was this episode. I wouldn't have let her do that if I would have known. But I got to say, wow. Today we celebrate our December Patreon anniversaries. Happy five years, Lieutenant Michael Murphy, Lieutenant Jeremy Impson, Lieutenant Alan Ricks, Lieutenant Andrew Buchanan, Lieutenant H.P. Loveshaft and Ensign Leprohan. Leprohan. And thank you for five years of loyalty and support. You guys rock! Woo! This episode was written by Joe Minowski, and the story was by Philip Lezebnik and Joe Minensky. This episode was directed by Windrick Cobley. He's back. Previous attempts to make contact with the Temerians have ended peacefully, but have failed. Mm. The Temerians have been at the planet for three weeks now, transmitting a mathematical signal towards Federation space. Picard is excited to attempt to communicate. Yeah, what are they up to? They're transmitting something. They obviously want some kind of response, but mm. they're not sending anything that makes sense. Mm. Picard, hold the front page, is wearing a sexy red velvet jacket uh-huh. with a black leather trim and a blue-gray jumper underneath. Yeah. What the heck? Patrick Stewart requested it to make Picard stand out from his crew, apparently. To me, it feels like a next-generation version of the green wraparound. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was more of a away jacket, you know, from Discovery. Right, but it's just something to kind of make the captain stand out a little bit. Because nobody else had a wraparound. Just well, Kirk. no, that's true. So this is Picard's thing. Yeah, it's not five seasons. We're really making a go of this thing now. <laughs> Do I get my own little iconic costume? Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks good, in it? He does. We cut to three Temerians on a view screen speaking in words we don't understand, but with a few short, repeated phrases translated into English. Hmm. Our crew are trying, but they are looking very baffled by this. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. They haven't understood a single word, but I love how Picard attempts the most complicated question back about a mutual non-aggression pact, <laughs> trade deals, and a cultural interchange. What? <laughs> he doesn't know what they've said at all, and they can't understand them either. After silence, one of the Temerians has a good old laugh and says, In winter. But the captain zips him up quickly. The Temerians are humanoid, of course, but they've got long nostrils, swirly patterns and tats on their heads. A bit shrimpy looking, headwise. Mm. A longer thumb, 
and they're wearing crossover tabards with high boots with some custom-made fabric textures, really cool looking, and with a dagger in a holder across their chests. You all know this, but, you know, just in case you haven't seen it for a while, sure. visualise. They just keep pressing ahead with what they're saying, determined that they'll be understood eventually. I guess like a babbling toddler. They're not bothered, are they? They assume everybody either understands them or will eventually. Yeah. I wonder if they've chatted with anybody else and if their strategies worked. Yeah. I, I wonder why don't... You, you said Picard goes nuts right here with a non-aggression treaty and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Pick up an apple and point at it and go, <laughs> apple. Let's start there. Yeah. Point, point at himself. Picard. Right. You know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But no. Picard might not be chatting with this guy the way he wants to, but you know who I like chatting with? Who? Ensign Shanti Diva. Uh, happy four years and happy three years to Lieutenant Gary Martinez and Ensign Chase Hansel. Happy anniversary and thanks. Captain Dathon is this guy's name. They don't say it actually in the show, do they? We just know this from our research. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they say his name. He takes his first officer's knife and repeats... Darmak and Shalad Etanagra. Of course, we're all trying to understand them as well throughout this episode. So thinking, are Darmok and Jalad the names of the knives? Mm. Um, before we have much chance for that, Picard and Dathon are beamed to the surface before Worf can even get the shields up. Arena the sequel? <gasps> the Tamarian ship has projected a scattering field in the ionosphere of the planet, preventing any more beaming or communications. Oh, shenanigans. The Enterprise can tell where and how Picard is, but they can't help him. So we're assuming at this point that Dathon wants to fight with Picard. Yes. To the death, no doubt. Yeah. Dathon chucks one of the knives towards Picard, apparently challenging him to a duel, saying, Darmak and Jalad. Picard refuses it and throws it back to him. Dathon says, Shaka, when the walls fell, and walks away looking back disapprovingly. <laughs> I found it amusing the way he kept... Turning back and looking at him like he was just so. Come on, man. <laughs> when the walls fell. Oh. <laughs> Dathan is played by Paul Winfield, known for his Academy Award nominated role in Sounder, 1972. Prior to this, only three African-Americans had ever been nominated for a leading role. Mm. He was nominated for an Emmy for portraying Martin Luther King in a 1978 miniseries. Mm -hmm. He was in The Terminator Mars Attacks, yeah. L.A. Law, and 24 episodes of the sitcom 227. Yep. Most importantly, though, he was Captain Terrell in Wrath of Khan. Creatures in the booties. Oh, no. He was one of the captains, if you recall. He got the little worm in his ear, and oh. then he ended up phasering himself. Oh, yeah. He was not going to incubate that thing. No. Wiki says... Winfield carved out a diverse career in film, television, theatre and voiceovers by taking groundbreaking roles at a time when black actors were rarely even cast. Mm. He even played one of the main roles in Of Mice of Men in Whiteface. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't conceivable that a black actor could play that role. Wow. Or that the character could be black. Great news, everybody. Riker is going to do stuff in this episode. Yay. He sends Worf down in a shuttle guessing that the Temerians won't take it as far as firing on a shuttle. I hope you're right, Riker. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, night is drawing in on the planet and Dathan has a full fire going, but Picard, he ain't got nothing. Oh. <laughs> they, he gets a spark. Well, yeah, but it, that ain't no fire, baby. He knows how, theoretically, to do it. He's done his Boy Scout training. Sure. You can't start a fire without a spark. This gun's for hire. You know, just Picard and in the dark. <laughs> Even though I'm making fires with Picard. 
Is that better? <laughs> That's good. I love that. Uh, Dathan takes the metal ornaments off of his tabard and lays them out in a ritual way, touching his forehead. Love it. He tries to sleep, but can't until he sees Picard right. Hmm. He throws him a burning torch on the ground, and we get this. Timber. Timber. What does that mean? Fire. Does timber mean fire? Timber. His arms wide. Timber is a person. His arms wide because he's... He's holding them apart in... In... Generosity. In giving. In taking. Timber. His arms wide. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, so we're getting the idea now that he's a moral person. Yeah. He wants to do this right. He's uh, tried to be grumpy, but he couldn't. He had to help out Picard. He doesn't want him to die. No. I love the stuff with the little uh, brooches. Yeah. Ritual and wondering what do they all mean. They mm. obviously mean a lot to him. Yeah. Love those details. The art department must have had fun with that. So Worf and Ensign Kellogg are descending in a shuttle where the Temerian ship fires and takes out one of the nacelles. The attack seems to have been designed so that it, it would disable the shuttle so it could land, but not so it could take off. Mm. Riker says, come back. That totally bums Worf out. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go in and save the cap. I love the scene we get next with Data and Troy trying to decode the language. What a power couple. Mm. Glad they got her involved. Yeah. They pick out a few commonly repeated words based on what they'd been saying on the view screen before. And they have the computer search all linguistic databases for the sector and they find 47 meanings for Darmok. Discouraged, they search for Tanagra and notice that both words are used on Chantil 3, so they think they might have pinpointed this now. Mm -hmm. They discover that Darmok there refers to a mytho-historical hunter. Knowing, though, that a single word could lead to tragedy, they're being very careful, but they're psyched to have something. Mm, yes, I'm psyched too, to mm. say happy two years, Ensign Tom Prentice. And happy one-year anniversary to Lieutenant Catherine R., Lieutenant Big Easy Blasphemy, Lieutenant Robbie Keane, and Lieutenant Kern Huey, Lieutenant John Sanders, and Ensign Tentacle Duck. Aw, thank you all so much for your support and happy anniversary. Now they report to Riker and company. He actually uses Picard's catchphrase in this scene, make it so. How cheeky. <laughs> Uh, it turns out the Temerian language is entirely based on metaphor from their own experience in mythology. Mm. So if you don't get the reference, for example, Juliet and the balcony, a meaning love, Troy says you can't understand it. Love that. I yeah. love how Troy is instrumental in, in explaining how this works. Mm. And, and I like this concept. It's a great concept. Yeah, there's a lot of our colloquialisms that involve having to get the reference to know what someone means. Not to this extent, no. obviously. No. But it's relatable. So the next day, Picard wakes up and finds that Dathan is missing, but his things are still there. One is a captain's log, a little notebook, and Dathan returns shouting, Darmak and Jalad at Tanagra, and offering one of the knives. They hear a roar and falling rocks. Mm. An invisible foe, well, not entirely invisible, it, it kind of shimmers in and out of reality every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, they can't see it yet. Is there, and he thinks, oh, wait, are we supposed to fight this thing together? So yeah. Picard takes the knife. And the creature, again, kind of does this shimmery, predator-like sort of thing. Quite slow. 
quite gone from arena. Yeah. It attacks and rips Picard's shirt open. Hooray! That's why he had a different outfit on, I thought, but apparently it's going to come back this this outfit. We get this. Uzani, his army at Lashmere! At Lashmere? Was it like this at Lashmere? A similar situation to the one we're facing here. Uzani, his army with fist open. A strategy with fist open? With fist open. His army with fists closed. With fist closed. An army with fist open to lure the enemy with fist closed to attack? That's how you communicate, isn't it? By, by citing example. By metaphor. Ozani's army with, with fist open. Sukhat, his eyes uncovered. Dathon has drawn the creature to him as part of their open fist, closed fist plan, I presume. But at that moment, O'Brien beams Picard out, leaving Dathon to take a beating from the creature alone. They can't get Picard up fully, though, and they have to abandon it. So now he's back, but Dathon is gravely injured. It's too late, it seems. Mm-hmm. Shaka, says Dathon. When the walls fell, says Picard. They're starting to have a common language or at least one phrase. Both ships know that Dathon is dying because they can all read their vital signs. And Riker is baffled that they're still doing nothing. Picard has helped Dathon to the fire where he lies. Picard tries to get him to say more about Darmak and Jalad at Tanagra. He's picked up a phrase to help his arms open, meaning to share. He uses a rock and drawing in the sand to explain the story of Darmak and Jalad. Yeah, he tries to, like, let's represent Darmak as this rock. Let's try it a different way here. Can we have something physical? And can we, like, play it so that you can show me what happened or what mm-hmm. means what? It doesn't go very far because um, Dathan's really injured and he can only lie down. Right. And I don't know if it actually makes sense to him to use visuals. It seems it doesn't really, to... It, it opens up something, doesn't it? But yeah. they don't continue to use that method. Picard's able to figure out Darmak and Jalad faced a common enemy on an island, the island being called Tanagra. Mm-hmm. Picard realizes Dathan hoped they could learn to understand each other and bond through fighting together. Yeah, God, but, but come on, this whole situation, it'd be bad enough to force someone to do an escape room with you as a bonding <laughs> exercise, even though they only speak French and you don't. Never mind this. What, what was he thinking before uh. they even got one word in common? They're going to go down and fight a monster together. Yeah. well, That's wacky. It's intense. It is intense. Yeah, sure. And maybe the story of Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra (laughs) is really important to their culture and their civilization. Well, yeah. I guess they assume it is to everyone. Yeah. And that it will be understood. That they're going to have this bond, that they face death together, and that their people will be able to work through whatever problems they have. Yeah. Obviously, that's the belief that our alien captain has. Yeah, at this point I was feeling completely engrossed in the story, but very frustrated for, mostly for Picard, but certainly for both of them, that they couldn't understand each other. That frustration that a toddler has, or that anyone might have if they can't speak to somebody that they're trying to. Yeah, I was feeling a lot of feelings in this because you can tell he's a good guy, and they're both good guys, and they're both trying really hard. Well, Dathan's not making that much effort to... He understand is. Picard. He's only making effort to be understood. As far as 
we know. Maybe no. he just can't understand <laughs> direct language and only yeah. understands metaphor, which... <laughs> well, we'll talk about yeah, that later. We'll talk about that later. But at this point, watching it, just... And gross. Thoroughly gross, yeah. Dathan wants to hear a Picard story, I think perhaps to ease the pain because he's really... He's really gurning and struggling at the moment. Picard's bashful, thinking that he's bad at this. We don't hear him tell stories a lot. He told no. one to Wesley, didn't he, about how, how much of a tear away he was at the academy, and he was quite bashful about that as uh -huh. well. He never shies away from giving the old Shakespeare quotes, and I was surprised he was so bashful, actually. But he tells a Damok and Jalad at Tanagra rip off the Epic of Gilgamesh about two enemies becoming friends through hardship. And it's from one of the world's earliest known literary works, a Babylonian poem, said to have been dated from around 2150 to 2000 BCE. Dathan has become the first Temerian to successfully establish communications between his people and the Federation. He's done it. They've got some level of mutual mm. understanding. Yeah. And he dies. Picard fears that he will die too, and no one will know what Dathan achieved. What Picard achieved, more like. I didn't see much effort from Dathan to learn English. Sure. But he's going to get all I, the credit. Again, might not be capable of learning English. So mm. now LaForge is with a very attractive female engineer. Leffler is her name. Mm -hmm. She's Ensign Leffler, played by Ashley Judd. Oh. She comes up again in another episode a little bit later in the season. Uh, I had a huge crush on her. <laughs> and she's super cute in the next episode as well. Uh, you had a crush on her just from these two episodes? Oh, well, yeah, she gets like a big part in one of the episodes that's coming up. Oh, okay. And yeah, she's she's right. LaForge and Leffler have developed a way to disable the Temerian scattering fields so they'll be able to beam Picard back. Oh. But will it be in time? Riker starts firing and the Temerians shoot back, destroying their shields and crippling their warp drive. Picard walks in and we get this. Hail the Temerian vessel. Aye, Captain. Cinder! His face black, his eyes red. Tamak. The river Tamak. In winter. Damak. And Jalad. At Tanagra. Damak. And Jalad. On the ocean. So Karth, his eyes open. The beast of Tanagra. Uzani, his army. Shaka, when the walls fell. Picard and Dathan at Eladril. with sails unfurled. Timber, his arms open. Timber, at rest. Thank you. Power has been restored, sir. Friends, Captain? Can't say, number one. But at least they're not new enemies. Oh, that's so sad. Yes. 
The Temerians are crushed to realize that Dathon is dead. I guess they knew he was from the scans, scans but yeah. they didn't know how and what had been achieved. Right. They touch their knives and their foreheads in tribute. Dathon's log is beamed from Picard's hand to his number ones on the other ship. Mm-hmm. And they say this will be known as the story of Picard and Dathon at El Adrel. It's become another story to reference. Yes. And we end with Picard dealing with his pain by going back to his hobby of reading. Uh, He tells Riker that maybe being more familiar with their own mythology may help them relate to the Temerians. Would I have sacrificed my life for the hope of connection? He's not sure. He was nearly made to. Well, that wasn't his choice, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Alone, later, he looks out at the stars and touches the knife and his forehead in tribute. Hugh crying. And Rachel actually (laughs) cried. cried. I just teared up while I was watching it. Which is very rare for me, as you all know. You never cry. But then I thought, right, sit down now and try and work out why that was so moving. And then as I did, I had a bunch of crying. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because Chris wasn't there, I only ever cry if I'm on my own. So it allows me to be a little bit more unguarded and or something. I don't know, but oh, I had a good cry. It felt great. Concept? Yeah, let's get into it. Brought to you by Lieutenant Commander Ruth Dunmire. Happy three years. Yay. Thank you, Ruth. Well, we had well, we had a language of metaphor from shared cultural references. Most of it was names and places, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. no way the universal translator could translate those. They're just nouns. Yeah. The rest is translated to English, but if you don't get the references, it makes no sense. Right. It reminded me of the common references built up in therapy over several sessions. Mm. So I can say after a few weeks, oh, that sounds very cat in the window or whatever, you know. Both of us knowing that means longing and sadness for something you can't have, which you suspect also needs you. Or so, you know, for example. Right. But I would never have understood that metaphor until we developed it together through the work. Right. Writer Minoski was inspired by three sources for the language. And one was a psychologist named James Hillman. Mm. Who had emphasized all this metaphor. Oh, so it is, yeah. Yeah. The links to psychology there, yeah. Also, the quote, every word is a poem from translator and poet John Chiardi. And the dense historical metaphors present in Chinese poetry and philosophical works such as the I Ching. Oh, okay. So how does their written language work? Because he has a captain's log with... Mm -hmm. Some form of written symbols or language. Some stuff doesn't really stand up once you think about it, but I didn't. I didn't at the time. No. No. I, yeah, the, the more I've seen, I love this episode, don't get me wrong, but yeah. there is one glaring issue that I have with it is that uh, metaphors only work if there's a common language. You have to mm. be able to... Tell the metaphor yeah. of the story originally, yeah. Yeah. Well, he says the walls fell. So, wall, that's already mm. a, a thing. So, how, like, think of a, a, a child... How would they teach a child this metaphor language? You would have to teach them the, the basics first, which would be like, this is a wall. You know, I'm Bob. You know, like whatever, all these, you know, all those simple things, which is direct language and not metaphor. And then from there, you have that basic foundation to build the metaphor. So the idea that they don't have one doesn't really make any sense. Because, again, how would you teach children this language? Yeah, or how did anybody tell the original myths? Yeah or historical story. Exactly. How, yeah. do you, how would you communicate that story to somebody? Because they're not doing it gesturally. They don't do any of that. No, no. It could all be images, but he, we don't see him using that either. No. So it doesn't quite make sense, but it's such a good episode and it's so yeah. 
thinking out the box conceptually. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I can't fault it, you know, for that minor thing for me because it's just so cool. <laughs> and did they assume that all beings in the universe have the same mythology, do you think? Therefore, no crib sheet is needed. No, I don't. Again, what, what about people just on different continents in this planet? That you assume that they would have different legends, different myths. You know, our planet's got tons of different myths. Mm -hmm. So how do they teach each other what these myths mean? Yeah. So that's that's the problem with this. That doesn't quite make sense. And presumably, once you see nobody's understanding you, you do a puppet show or you <laughs> use objects or drawings like Picard tries later. Yeah. For our language to try and translate that for them, we could do sounds written and spoken mm -hmm. or pictures of mouth shapes along with pictures of objects or mime concepts. Sure, yeah. There's a lot you can do, um, presumably, that would be available to them. If you had a language that was based only on mythology, you would need to use tone of voice or gestures alongside that to give those nuance. Because we were talking about this earlier, weren't, they? weren't we? How do they give instructions on the ship? Yeah. They've got really heightened technology, equal, if not better, than the Federation's. Yeah. How do you say... We need to change the positron flow on the coupler because yeah. there it's 75%. Like, how do you, you say all that You better hope that did that at some point somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it it doesn't quite make a lot of sense, but it's a neat idea. And it, Maybe we're not appreciating how alien they are. We're trying to apply our own maybe, way of communicating maybe. to them. And I would love to hear, listeners, if you've got some other take on it. I mean, I've looked up on Memory Alpha and they don't really seem to come up with this problem that we're having with oh. it. So well, they had some formidable technology, including beaming and precision shooting. Mm -hmm. And they were able to nearly destroy the Enterprise on full shields in just a few hits. Yeah. So, wow. And a scattering field to prevent beaming and communications. They, they got a lot going on. A lot that you would think would be ready for combat. So they must have encountered other species unless yeah. they've been fighting amongst themselves. So this episode had the longest gestation period of any episode during Michael Pillar's tenure, mm. taking about two years to make it to the screen. Rick Berman hated the premise, but Pillar <laughs> thought it was interesting and was determined to make it work. Pillar brought in a scene from Dances with Wolves where Kevin Costner and a Native American character develop an understanding of each other's language, and maybe there's a big monster, he said. <laughs> and that was around a fire, too. <laughs> so that, yeah, formed the bones of it. Manowski said that Philip Lezebnik's story involved members of an away team who in turn each meet, met a mysterious alien boy drawing in the dirt. The boy greeted each of them with Darmok. Regardless of the response, the crew member was catapulted into orbit in a strange cocoon. Whoa. Picard realized that Darmok meant play and sat down on the dirt with the child. Huh. I Mino like the sound of that as well. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Minoski felt that this was too similar to a bridge of death scene from Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. That's uh, He's got three questions that you've got to ask. And then he's like, uh, what is your name? What is your quest? And then, you know. What is your favorite color? And then the guy. You always gets, get that bit wrong. You get it wrong, and then yeah. they shot. Well, they, they, the third question is always different. Oh. And then if they get wrong, they get shot off. Even though it's a preference, yeah. Yeah. So, can you think of anything that's happened in Star Trek or other literary film sort of myth that we all have that could be used as a metaphor for these things that happen in the episode? Dathan gives Picard the fire. Dathan and Picard fight together against the beast. Picard tells Dathan's people about his sacrifice and death 
and Riker finally gets an episode. Oh. <laughs> Can you think of anything that we would say that was like Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra for those kinds of things? Yeah. Be interesting. We've, we've tried to, we've struggled because we just don't speak in that way, do we? No, we Obviously, don't. Obviously, that's why this is alien. Mm -hmm. But um, one really silly example for me is when my dad went to college in London, he would say to people who were being obstinate, oh, you're such a John Arthur opposite. And he didn't realise, not only didn't that translate in the South, but John Arthur opposite was the nickname given to someone on the street his parents grew up on. <laughs> <laughs> he just thought it was a common reference oh, that everyone right. used to yeah. mean that someone was being contrary. Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, what, that's something that happens when you move or go to university or yeah. move to another country. You realise, oh, my references don't no. work here. No, definitely not. So what do you give it? Oh, after I'd just seen it, I would have given it a really high score. We've pulled it apart a little bit here for the language. But even still, I think it's such an achievement. I do. Because I was wondering the whole time, can I make sense of it? And we'll go that into that more in entertainment. So yeah. I'm going to give it a nine still. I'm going to give it a nine, yeah. I would, If the concept was, it's a little shaky, like yeah. I explained. So I'm going to give it a nine instead of a ten. But it's, it's rock solid. Grade A Star Trek. Entertainment. With Lieutenant Commander L. Manny, happy two years. Happy two years. Thank you. Well, I teared up at the end and then cried quite a bit thinking about why it was so moving. So that's got to be a 10. That's a 10. This is a 10 episode <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think I was moved because I felt frustrated at their failed attempts to communicate. But they were both patient and earnest, which more than I would have been. Mm -hmm. Picard made assumptions, for example, that Dathan wanted to fight and then found clarity. They found understanding, enough to work together, enough for Picard to comfort Dathan and enough to share his sacrifice with his people. And it was also brilliantly written because by the time we got to Picard's speech to them at the end, we also knew what it all meant right? or had a good sense yeah. of that. So we'd gone on the journey with him. It made me think about the difficulty of living in another culture without a common language or even just without common references and metaphors. Mm. And I thought about how hard it can be for toddlers to be understood and their frustrations and how close family attune to their quirks and their, and they know that Anina means fish finger <laughs> or Nini is finished. Like <laughs> these are the, some of the words that our Finian had as an 18 month old and that shaking his hands meant that he was scared. But if that little kid's taken away from their family and nobody who's trying to care for them knows these things, sure, they would have to teach each other somehow. But that just made me feel so sad. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, 10. 10. And Campton's Log Pillars called it astonishing and said it worked on every level. It had everything. Director Colby found the writing flawless, but felt constricted by how he could film the monster scenes. Yeah, it did have shades of arena with the world's slowest creature. That was a weak point in it, but it still made up for it in so many other ways. Well, I mean, I got the sense that the creature wasn't slow moving, but it was like out of sync with reality or mm -hmm. they detected its electromagnetic intensity as it appeared. I got the sense of it was something about it was out of sink and it wasn't just that it was slow but that was yeah, my take I, on it i guess it wasn't easier to take on because it was invisible most of the time yeah so that was its strength he said it was difficult to direct a language he didn't understand even though he had translations of each line hmm. in ben's magazine he spoke of how many people gesture as they speak they had to keep an eye on that he said we couldn't have characters indicating things with sign language or symbols wow yeah that they shouldn't know 
about because of their thinking process wouldn't allow it. Yeah. He also said, I hope when the actors see me, they know they'll have to put out <laughs> in terms of bringing the subtext to their performances. <laughs> well, the performances were fabulous in this. Uh, absolutely. Very impressive. And that's so interesting about the gestures because Dathan didn't gesture no. or move him around to show him how he wanted to fight no. with him. No. He just kept saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. In Gene's funeral service, he died a month after this episode aired, Stewart referenced the episode as a shining example of Gene's creation. Mm. Doctor Who writer and producer Russell T. Davies liked the billing blurb for this episode so much that he deliberately didn't watch it. <laughs> Later saying, I love the idea so much, I'd rather think about it forever. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Googling this episode, the first thing that comes up is many t-shirt designs of Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra with Picard and Death on holding guitars as though they're a band. <laughs> comes up before memory alpha i've never seen that before uh, it's it's pretty weird i don't quite get it but yes <laughs> this episode entertainment 10 it could not be any better it's perfect star trek it's actually not perfect because the monster was like great and other things but it just still feels perfect i love the monster i don't care what you say <laughs> okay. 10 perfect sexiness exposed picard's stomach because the shirt got cut but it's not really about that was no. it 2.5 2.5 stupid experts got a lot of technology these Tumerians so presumably they are experts mm. I don't make much of their attempts to communicate but they did succeed in getting the two people working together but the Federation would have anyway I mean the Federation would have sat down with them for months trying to work out how to communicate yeah. with them and then still helped them either way sure so it wasn't needed so that's a bit stupid but Picard is the Federation that's who they sent they're like we're going to send this guy because he's awesome to yeah. go sort this out. And he uh, did. You don't have no. to send him to kill or be killed. No, together. no, no. That was the Temerians that did all that. That's what I'm saying. The Temerians were stupid experts. Oh, right. I see. Well, their culture is so crazy and weird. We can't understand it. Our guys all did a great job. I'm yeah. going to give the Temerians one. I, zero. Your guesses? I thought it would be a gestural language. It was metaphor, but he did describe gestures like his arms open his fists open and closed and things like that. Yeah. And Picard used gestures to try to communicate back. So uh, maybe something for that. Uh -huh, yeah. I said data will help decode it. Yes, he did with Troy, though. Yeah, yeah I know. Thought that people would be wary about receiving outsider intervention, but Darmok would convince them to. No. no. And I said Picard would be stranded at one point and would need their help. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Something there. Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. Uh, I want to thank our patrons. Happy anniversary, everybody, today. And also welcome Ensign Joe Fisher. All right. Well, happy 2022 for the rest of the however long you're going to have. And I hope your 2023 is better than this one. Oh, I hope you have a great 2023. Stay with us for plenty of Star Trek content. And you've got Star Trek coming out of your ears on the TV as well. <laughs> Imagine Strange New Worlds is coming back this year. You're going to have more Lower Decks. Discovery. Discovery. Yeah. Well, really, you got it all. Yeah. So enjoy that. Enjoy. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!